speaks out of a burning bush to let Moses know that even though it appears I ain't listening. Even though it appears that nobody cares, I'm about to shout out my pumps. Even though it looks like your cries are going unheard. That's a word for somebody that came to worship. It's good to know that when it seems like ain't nobody listening, God's been listening all the time. Can you just preach to somebody and say, I know you feel like ain't nobody listening. Oh, but somebody needs to rejoice that God has heard your prayer. Tell somebody, don't stop praying. Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop getting on your knees. Don't stop petitioning God because just when you think God ain't listening God you know about that don't you talk God will let you know I heard you all the time because we serve a God that hears us the psalmist said he will hear us from his holy hill and send support from Zion some trust in chariots some trust in horses but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God hear the good news thank you for tuning in to today's podcast Come and join us in the sanctuary as we listen in on a dynamic word from our senior pastor, Dr. Gina M. Stewart. I want to preach today from the subject, a divine rescue. They say a picture is worth a thousand words, and a video is certainly worth a thousand words. This video of this woman making her plea to majority, Senate majority leader, Mitch McConnell, only provides a snapshot of the impact and the effect of the recent government shutdown. The longest shutdown in history. It resulted in over 800,000 people going without a paycheck for at least two weeks. And while there have been people who have been somewhat critical about people who found themselves in a difficult financial situation and said, well, people ought to save and people ought to manage their money. That's the truth. But at the end of the day, if you work, you ought to get paid. And certainly if you work, you ought to be paid without being a bargaining chip for political realities. For 35 days, we watched the chief executive, the Senate majority leader and the majority, somebody say the majority, not all of the elected officials, but the majority of elected officials practice what could be described as bystander apathy. Somebody say bystander apathy. For a little over a month, 35 days, somebody shout 35 days, 800,000 employees missed two paychecks. Some missed mortgage payments, some couldn't buy prescriptions, some couldn't pay for childcare and basic necessities, some had to resort to relying on government assistance to tide them over during the difficult period. And what it seemed like for those 35 days, as you heard the woman in the video appealing to Mitch McConnell, it seemed like after uh, the Senate and the congressional leaders would go to the floor to try to vote on a bill, and for a while the Senate majority leader wouldn't even let a bill come to the floor. And finally, when they decided to start trying to bring bills to the floor, the bill would get killed on the floor. For 35 days, it seemed like the cries and the needs of everyday working people, people with families and children, people who needed their medication, and all kinds of other needs fell on deaf ears. It seemed as if their cries went unheard because they were used 
to make a deal with a chief executive that prides himself, come on, talk to me, on making deals to demand $5 billion for a border wall that he claims will be a solution to a semi-imaginary crisis. Notice I said semi-imaginary crisis because we know that we do have an issue with immigration in America. However, we know that it does not require negotiating with people's livelihood at work. Somebody shout bystander apathy. The bystander effect, also known as bystander apathy, is a psychological phenomenon where someone is less likely to intervene in an emergency situation when other people are present and able to help them when they are when, when, able to help than when he or she is alone. In other words, the bystander effect is a phenomenon where we are less likely to do something when other folk could do it. If we're by ourselves, the bystander apathy phenomenon suggests that we're more likely to be helpful. But when others are around that we can delegate the responsibility to, when others are present, we are less likely to help them than we are when we are alone. This, this phenomenon is a modern archetype. From the Holocaust to the practice of lynch mobs in America, genocide in Rwanda, Darfur, and Sudan, to the current environmental crisis, and even to the crucifixion of Jesus. You do know that some of the folk that ate the fishes and the loaves, that some of the folk that got free health care should have spoke up on that day while Jesus was hanging on the cross. But bystander apathy caused those who had benefited, I can't get no help, from Jesus' ministry to stand and watch our liberating Lord die on an old rugged cross. And we've all found ourselves in similar situations. Times when we witnessed the problem, considered doing something about it, and then did nothing. Absolutely nothing. Something holds us back. Something causes us to remain bystanders. Shackles bind our moral instincts. We opt for the path of least resistance every day. Sometimes unknowingly, we serve as bystanders to the world around us, much like Saul of Tarsus, stood as a bystander and held the coats of the people while they stoned Stephen in Acts chapter seven. We serve as bystanders, not just to people in need and on the street, but on a larger scale. On a larger political scale, on a larger environmental, moral, and spiritual scale, so often these are things that concern us, but we sometimes find ourselves powerless to address them. This is why when you come to worship, it is almost profane to come to worship and not mention something about what's going on in the world. This is why when we come to worship, we do not take a retreat from the realities that impact our lives. Yes, we live in the world and we're not of the world, but what's happening in the world affects people, even people of faith. And this is the reason why every time in the preaching moment, sometimes you may think you're listening to a social commentary, but because I believe in the God who is on the side of justice, I find it difficult to come in here and talk about a God who will liberate your soul and not be concerned about your temporal needs. I find it difficult to advocate 
and preach about a God who wants to see you spiritually whole but has no concern about the fact that you can't eat at night that you don't have food on your table that there's no way to pay your bills something ought to capture our attention and something ought to propel us and provoke us to say something when what is happening in the world the, the zeitgeist the landscape God help me what's going on in the world is out of alignment with God's intentions for humanity I tell you every now and then you ought to hear something across the sacred desk that lets us know that God is concerned about more than just your light gas and water bill that God is concerned about more than just your mortgage. Y'all ain't saying nothing. But that God is concerned about children at the border. That God is concerned about people who can't pay for prescriptions. That God is concerned about the corruption and the unethical nature of politics in America. Because we serve a God who is on the side of justice. I stopped by to tell you that bystander apathy will cause us to stand by and do nothing. Because as long, Deacon Ruben, as it don't affect us, as long as it ain't my children, y'all ain't saying nothing. As long as it's not my car, my house, my mama, my daddy, my wife, my husband, I can't get no help in here. As long as it's not me, we stand by. And sometimes we do nothing. That's why this preaching text blesses my entire soul. Somebody said her entire soul. This preaching text, these two verses in the book of Exodus, the third chapter, bless my entire soul. Let me give you the background so you can understand the breakdown. This book of Exodus begins on a foreboding note. It begins on a threatening note because it lets us know in Exodus chapter 1, you need to read it when you go home, that a new king, somebody say a new king, a new king arose in Egypt. The phrase by itself, Pastor Marilyn, ought to resonate with some of us. A new king arose, which means new leadership came to power. The Bible doesn't give his name, but it does give us a frame of reference. The frame of reference is that the new king didn't know Joseph. And he didn't know Joseph, who was the son of Jacob. Somebody shout, a new king. A new king who didn't know Joseph or the son of Jacob, who first came to Egypt as a slave, but who eventually rose to power and prominence and helped Egypt survive a terrible famine and save much people alive. But the new king, somebody shout, the new king didn't know Joseph and what the narrator is suggesting is not that the new king didn't know Joseph personally because so much time had already passed that he possibly could not have met Joseph's acquaintance because by the time he came to power Joseph was probably already dead but what the phrase suggests is that this is an era that mourns the loss of the past much like some of us still saying Barack Obama it's still our president. Y'all ain't saying nothing. We still post his picture. Come on here. On Facebook, we still get excited. Y'all ain't talking. When we see him walk across the stage with that swag that he has. The, the, the Golden State Warriors even went to visit him when they were in Washington, D.C. Because they are mourning the loss of the past. 
text said that there was a new king that did not know Joseph. That's to say that this new king doesn't know history. That this new king has no comprehension of the consequences of relationship and obligation. The new king, somebody shout new king, has no appreciation for what they've been through, what they have relied on. The new king, somebody shout the new king, is only motivated by self-preservation. You do know it's the first law of nature. And imperial threats to imperial power and empire. The new king, this, the new king that has come to power, believes that people from other countries are his enemies. The new king, somebody shout the new king, is xenophobic, meaning he's intolerant of other races and otherness. This new king that came to the throne that did not know Joseph, no, believes that victory is achieved by oppressing other folk. And so out of an imagined threat, somebody said an imagined threat. Can I pause here and say imagined threats can be dangerous. It's a dangerous thing to make movies in your head about stuff. He makes up an imagined threat and fear of a potential exodus of slave labor. And so he puts a fresh policy of labor into effect. Whips are cracked. Uh, but commands are barred. Hebrews are building over bricks and building and bending over fields for planting. And the text tells us in chapter 1 verse 13 that the Egyptians became ruthless in the task that they imposed on the Hebrews. And despite their cries for deliverance, here it is, it seemed that their cries fell on deaf ears. I know somebody can identify with that. Have you ever been in a situation where you needed deliverance and it seemed like nobody was listening? Have you ever been in a situation where you prayed and said, God, I wish somebody would hear me praying to you and somebody would intervene. Somebody would let me know that you would use somebody to let me know that you have forgotten about them. For years, it seems as if their cries for deliverance by reason of their taskmasters fell on deaf ears until one day. Somebody shout one day. One day, a guy by the name of Moses, yeah, a fugitive, somebody with a felon on his record, somebody that had a record and who was running from the law, y'all ain't saying that, on the run because he had murdered an Egyptian in Egypt, had come to Midian to escape the consequences of the law. He's 40 years old, and it looks like his life is going to end with an inconsequential type of ending. He ain't going to shake nothing up. He ain't going to disrupt nothing. He's not going to be a disruptive leader. He's just going to spend out his days, God help me, on the backside of a Midian desert, tending the sheep, living an easy life, out of sight, trying to stay away from the law to make sure that they don't extradite him back. Come on here to Egypt, which is why he's hiding in Midian. He marries Zipporah, and he's there tending the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, a priest of Midian, and he leads his flock to the backside of the desert. And while he's on the backside of the desert, he comes to the mountain of God. And the mountain of God, can y'all tell I like preaching? The mountain of God is called Horeb. Somebody shout Horeb. Now, one thing that you need to understand about Horeb is that Horeb means wasteland. He's in the wilderness. He's at a place that means wasteland. It's in the wilderness, in a wasteland, that Moses has an encounter with God. Scourge, can I back up? 
and tell somebody that you never need to give up on when God's going to show up because God has a way of showing up in some of the most unlikely places. Can I tell somebody that it does not matter whether you're in a wasteland or in a faithful place, fruitful place, that when God decides to show up and when God decides to give you a word, God can show up wherever he is and bless you and give you revelation for elevation. Can you clap your hands and give God praise right there? Somebody shout one day. One day on a mountain called Horeb at a place that was known as a wasteland. It's on Horeb. It's at the wasteland. It's in the wilderness, God help me, that Moses has an encounter with God. That's why you can never underestimate where God's going to meet you. Can I tell you, I've met God in some interesting places. And I need to tell you that you need to learn how to be ready to meet God anywhere. Because God may not always meet you while you're sitting in here with stained glass windows and screens and music and instruments. Every now and then he'll meet you in the kitchen. He'll meet you while you're driving down the street. Might even meet you in the bathroom. He'll meet you in some of the most unlikely at your desk at work. I wish I had about 150 of y'all that know that God will meet you in, some, in a hospital room, in the emergency room. God will meet you in some unlikely places. God meets Moses, has an encounter with him. Moses is away from the sights and the sounds of the religious community. Ain't no B3 Hammond organ playing. Nobody doing praise and worship. The Levites are not there singing. There is no sign that this is a holy place. And unlike the owner of the sheep, Moses is not a priest or a prophet. Moses is just an ordinary felon. He is a fugitive trying not to get in trouble with the law. Trying to make sure that they don't track him down. He is over on the backside of the Midian Desert in the midst of an ordinary everyday journey with no religious intentions. But it's in the wasteland, in the wilderness that God chose a non-traditional, non-religious setting to give Moses a revelation. Look at somebody so you don't ever know when God going to speak to you. That's why you got to always keep your ears open and your eyes open. Because just when you think you're in a place that God ain't saying nothing, it'll be the very place that God will show up. I came by to tell you, be careful what places you write off. Be careful when you say God ain't moving because you don't ever know where God is going to show up. Because the transcendent God can show up wherever he wants to, whenever he gets ready to, to say whatever he wants to say, whenever he gets ready to say it. Because he specializes in showing up in the mundane, ordinary days and affairs of our lives and speaks a word of revelation for elevation in a non-traditional way. In a non-traditional space, God gets Moses' attention in a non-traditional way. He started talking out of a burning bush. Ain't nobody talking to me. I said talking out of a... Now, now you can act like you done seen a bush talk before. Uh, but I ain't never seen a bush talk. And I'm sure if a bush start talking while I was in the middle of nowhere, I might take off running. So don't sit here and act like it ain't no big deal that a bush is talking. Come on. And not only is the bush talking, but the bush is burning. 
and it's burning God I thought I had some Bible readers in here with a fire that had not been consumed and it's out of that bush that God gives Moses a word that I believe has timeless application somebody shout timeless application God speaks out of a burning bush to let Moses know that even though it appears I ain't listening even though it appears that nobody cares, I'm about to shout out my pumps. Even though it looks like your cries are going unheard. That's a word for somebody that came to worship. It's good to know that when it seems like ain't nobody listening, God's been listening all the time. Can you just preach to somebody and say, I know you feel like ain't nobody listening. Oh, but somebody needs to rejoice that God has heard your prayer. Tell somebody, don't stop praying. Don't stop talking to God. Don't stop getting on your knees. Don't stop petitioning God because just when you think God ain't listening God you know about that don't you Tar? God will let you know I heard you all the time because we serve a God that hears us the psalmist said he will hear us from his holy hill and send support from Zion some trust in chariots some trust in horses but we will trust in the name of the Lord our God hear the good news and good insight for living that the God of the universe, that the God of Abraham and Sarah, the God of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, come on here, the God of Isaac and Rebekah, come on here, the God of Rachel and Leah and Bilhah, that God hears our prayers and he will send support. He will come and see about us. I thought I was in a church and not at a movie theater. I thought I was in a place where I would have a few witnesses that will shout the victory that they've been in some places where God came to see about them when nobody else would when nobody else could somebody ought to give God a praise that he came to see came to see about you here's the good news his ear is not so heavy that it cannot save us his arm is not so shortened. His ear is not so heavy that it cannot hear us. And his arm is not so shortened that it cannot say, watch the text, don't miss this, from the burning bush. Somebody shout, from the burning bush. From the burning bush, God makes his intentions clear. It's in the text, that's why I had you to read it. God said, I've seen their suffering by reason of their taskmasters. I've heard their cries. Here's your shout. God said, and I've come down. Look at somebody say, you don't know when to shout. <laughs> Grab somebody say, and God said, I've come down. Oh, I, I'm looking. Some of y'all still ain't getting. Let me see if I can talk this. Other. God said, I've come down. Okay. Maybe you don't need no miracle. Maybe you don't need God to step in. Maybe you don't need healing in your body. Maybe you don't need a touch from the master. Maybe you don't need a way out of nowhere. But I came for the people that need a miracle to just look at somebody and say, God said, he came down. Ah, he came down. He said, I've come down to rescue them. Do I have anybody in here to know that God still comes down to see about his people that God still comes down and makes a way out of no way the author uses an anthropomorphic term to describe what God is doing because God is spirit and he ascribes characteristics to God that have human implication no God is a spirit he says God is saying I'm coming down I done had other folk but they ain't doing nothing I got other folk that could have done something but they ain't answering they acting like they ain't here Pharaoh acting like he crazy so here's what I'm getting ready to do because I got a vested interest in your life because I'm a stakeholder and not a spectator I'm not going to leave you to struggle all by yourself I'm going to make 
a special trip and make a divine rescue mission. Can you shake somebody's hand and say, this here ain't no ordinary rescue. This ain't no ordinary rescue. The God that we serve specializes in divine rescue missions because God is saying, I'm not a passive observer. Look at somebody say, God is not a passive observer. God, I wish I had enough energy to get this out. I'm so excited I ain't got enough wind. But somebody help me preach this. Look at somebody say, God is not a passive observer. Which means that this is a word that is borrowed from a scientific term. It's a word that's borrowed from scientific research. You know, in science, they have passive observers and they have active observers. Which means that an active observer is not just standing there watching. But an active observer is participating while studying the object. A passive observer is not participating but they just watch while the object is under the study is the subject is under study but touch your neighbor say ain't no science project look at your neighbor said the God I serve is an active participant the God I serve so y'all don't know when to shout is not a passive observer the God that I serve is not aloof or detached or indifferent or unconcerned or disinterested he's not a spectator but a stakeholder shake somebody's hand and say I serve a God that's all in I serve a God that will take care of me. I serve a God that restores my brokenness. I serve a God that gives coherence to my life. I serve a God who says if I draw near to him, he'll draw near to me. I serve a God that is my help and my strength. He's a present help in time of trouble. I serve a God who will make a way for my escape. I serve a God whose strength is made perfect in my weakness. I serve a God who's a present help in time of trouble. And I serve a God who will come and see about me. I wonder do I have anybody in here who has ever been in trouble and have can testify that when nothing else could help and that when nobody else would help and that when the lights went out and the crowds got thin and when friends walked out he stepped right in I stopped by to tell somebody that in spite of what's going on the God that we serve still specializes in divine rescues can you shake somebody's hand and tell them this here here ain't no ordinary rescue so I just stopped by this morning to have a praise break and to encourage somebody and tell them that God still performs miracles and that God still performs rescue missions and that God still makes a way no way and that the God of the covenant will still do the unexpected when you least expect it can you get your preaching voice and preach to your neighbor and tell him the God I serve the God of the exodus the God of Moses the God of the Red Sea the God who parted the waters is a God who does the unexpected when I least expect it shake that hand and say can I shout now or do I have to wait can I tell you that's why when I was in my class teaching at Virginia Union and we were in the middle of a presentation and the notification came across somebody's phone and one of my students said that the shutdown is now over take somebody's hand and tell them the shutdown is now over in spite of 45 in spite of his insistence that he wasn't gonna negotiate 
somebody shout the shutdown is over in spite of the chambers who couldn't reach an agreement somebody shout the shutdown is over in spite of Rush Limbaugh and Ann Coulter somebody shout the shutdown is over grab that hand and say God not Trump God not Mitch McConnell God I like Nancy but not even Nancy the God of the universe Jehovah Jireh Jehovah Nisi Jehovah Shalom Jehovah Tiskanu he's my banner he's my shield he's my wheel in the middle of a wheel he's bread when I'm hungry water when I'm thirsty bridge over troubled water can't nobody do me like Jesus can't nobody do me like the Lord shout yeah 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 grab that hand and shake that neighbor and said this shout is cause I found out that God will use a shutdown to shut down a shutdown do I have anybody that can give God some praise? He used a shutdown to shut down a shutdown when the air traffic controller said we ain't flying no more. All of a sudden, the government opened. But tell your neighbor, I thank God for the air traffic controller. But most of all, I thank God for making a way out of no way. Grab that hand. The God I serve is a divine rescuer. He still works in mysterious ways. His wonders to perform. Shout yes, yeah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Clap your hand and give God glory. Open your mouth and tell him thank you. Throw your head back and shout to God with a voice of triumph. It is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he'll do for you. Have you any rivers that seem uncrossable? Have you any mountains you can't tunnel through? God specializes. Shake that hand. Tell your neighbor he specializes. He'll make a way where there is no way. He'll prepare a table in the wilderness. Get water out of a rock. Make bitter water sweet. Do I have any company that know that God can do the impossible? Shout yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yes. Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Is that all you got? Shake that hand and say, I need a miracle. I need a door open. I need my body healed. I need a way made. God still makes a way where there is no way shout yeah yes yeah 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 go find 
three people tell them divine rescue tell them divine rescue tell them divine rescue tell them this ain't no ordinary rescue tell them this ain't no ordinary deliverance tell them this ain't no ordinary breakthrough tell them this ain't no ordinary no ordinary mission grab somebody shake that hand and give god praise, praise. thank you for joining our podcast we pray that you were tremendously blessed by the word 